Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning in to episode 19 on October 29th, 2020. Let's talk about the beautifully colored nerve plant. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Let's dive in. Okay, well, how's everyone doing? I know this pandemic has been very long, and I hope everyone is healthy and doing well. Um, Winter is coming, so be safe out there. But I thought I'd just put this on at the beginning. I know many months from now, maybe COVID won't be a thing while you're listening to this, and you'll be like, but Holly, it's over with. But you know, it's October 29th, and it's still a thing here today. So be safe, everyone, and hopefully everyone has a healthy holiday. Now let's get into it. We're going to be talking about the nerve plant, which is well known as the drama queen of the houseplant world, but it's also known for its very, very brightly colored veins in the leaves. And that is the attraction of it, basically. I've seen this plant anywhere from a one inch pot to a six inch pot. Usually they stay fairly small. And since they do come in a variety of different sizes, I find them almost at every houseplant shop I go to, and they're usually pretty fairly priced simply because they're easy to find, but they're a beautiful plant to have in your home. So as I called this plant earlier, it's called the nerve plant, and that is a common name, but other common names are mosaic plant, silver net plant, jewel plant, and silver threads, but mostly people call it the nerve plant. And its Latin name is called Fetonia. It's also commonly known as that as well. I've heard it both ways in the horticulture industry and just on houseplant blogs and whatnot. So there are a lot of cultivars out there, but most of the garden shops that sell them don't carry the cultivar names with the plant since they all look so similar, almost identical, just based on the variety. So on the blog post for this nerve plant, I have some variety names listed if you want to look at it and a link to Costa Farms, which has a bunch of the variety pictures on their website too. So that's where I got most of those variety names. So if you want to check that out, go to the blog and look at that. But if you're going to buy one, you're probably not going to know the name of it when you buy it. And it's just going to be pretty no matter what. So who cares? Well, I take that back. If you're collecting them, you might want to know the name. So you might want to figure that out. But if you just want a pretty nerve plant, then who cares? (laughs) Okay, so let's dive in talking about some sunlight requirements for this plant. It can't handle hanging out in full sun, but it does love to be in medium to bright indirect lighting. So make sure you're keeping it out of that direct sunlight, otherwise the leaves will start to burn. But as I said in my blog, it's literally like the story of Goldilocks and Three Bears, because then if you have it in not enough light, it becomes very leggy and it starts stretching towards the light. So if you have an area just off of a south window where it won't get that direct sunlight, but it's very bright light, that spot would be just right. <laughs> See what I did there? Goldilocks, Three Bears. Anyway, I thought it was funny. I'm over here laughing at myself, but that's okay. We'll move on. If you have a north window that's pretty bright you can just put it right in that window my sister has hers in an east window i believe 
or just off of an east window and it's doing fine there too. Another fun fact about the lighting situation is these guys can actually handle fluorescent light, which is ironic because I was just talking about that they prefer to be in a brighter light, but they can grow well in a fluorescent light too, which is great for an office, but I would not actually recommend this guy for inside of an office simply because of how much water it needs, which I'll talk about in a second. If you want a really good alternative for your office, take a snake plant. I've had mine at work for the last six months and I work like in office maybe every other week and it does wonderful. I barely water it. I water it like every month and it does great and it hasn't even changed a bit. Looks exactly the same. So I'd recommend that one instead. All right. So as I said earlier, this plant needs a little bit more water. Maybe I didn't say that earlier. I think I just said I wouldn't bring it into the office because of the watering situation. Well, guess what? It does need more water. <laughs> so typically this one needs a little bit more watering than your normal houseplant. And to me, a normal houseplant is like pothos, a snake plant, philodendron, that kind of thing. So similar to the Goldilocks and Three Bears story, this one can't be overwatered and can't be underwatered, but just the perfect amount of water. So most people kill this plant by underwatering, but this plant gives you a giant hint of when you need to water it, hence the drama queen part because the whole plant just drops and droops massively like it's complaining it's not getting the attention it needs, and that is when you water it. That being said, I would keep this plant in a place that you either walk by frequently or you look at multiple times a day because for one second, the plant can look really healthy and you turn around and all of a sudden it's like flat on the ground. So just keep this in a place that you see it frequently because it will tell you when it needs water. I would also start to notice how many days in between watering it takes to actually water. So you can prevent the plant from drooping, but not overwatering. So obviously the plant drooping is not healthy for it because it means the plant is stressed out. So you wanna make sure you're just watering the plant enough so it won't do that, but not overwatering. If you see yellowing leaves, that means you're overwatering. So it's actually safer to let the plant droop than it is to overwater it because you can come back from a slightly dry plant that's just complaining probably a little bit more than it needs to than a plant that's been completely saturated. It's going to take days for it to get over that and it could potentially harm the plant a bit more. I know that might be confusing because I'm literally telling you don't overwater it, but don't underwater it. But just in the beginning, maybe allow your plant to droop once you get this plant and then just start to notice between the plant drooping how many days it is. And that would be my best advice for watering. Another thing to note is that this plant actually really loves a humid environment. So if you can place a humidifier near it or be misting it constantly, that would really help if you don't have either of those spray bottle or humidifier, you can put a tray of pebbles underneath it and water the tray of pebbles. The water in there increases the humidity. Or a lot of times what this plant will be found in is like one or two inch pots and people love to put these in terrariums because they are the perfect terrarium plant because they like a little bit more moisture and they need that humidity to really thrive. If you don't have a misting bottle or a spray bottle, I have a link in my blog to Amazon, the ones that I have seen out there. Another way you can kind of increase humidity ever so slightly is placing plants together. Now, if you're a plant hoarder like I am, that's already happening, but it doesn't increase the humidity enough 
not to supplement it a little bit, but it does help if you don't have any of those other options right now. Because Lord knows we're in a pandemic and we need all the money we can get. So sometimes buying stuff is not an option. <laughs> all right, so now we're going to move on to fertilization, propagation, and the other facts that never fit into any other category. <laughs> Okay, so for fertilizer, I'm a broken record when I say this, but there's never really a wrong answer, except if you over-fertilize or fertilize too much. If you're using a non-organic fertilizer and you apply too much, your plant leaves will start to burn, so I would always recommend using the recommended amount or a little bit less for your houseplants. Usually the browning won't happen with an organic fertilizer, but it's still best to use recommended amount. So the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual by Barbara Pleasant says, in a quote, from spring through summer, feed monthly with a balanced houseplant food. In winter, feed every three weeks. So I personally do almost exactly what the book says. I use a Espoma indoor houseplant fertilizer on my houseplants currently, and I'm doing it every four weeks when I'm watering, and I'll reduce it to probably every eight weeks or so in winter based on the plant. But I always like to give my plants just a little bit of fertilizer in winter just to keep their mind on growing. But at least you give them a little bit of a break and you're not fertilizing them constantly like you would in the growing season. So that is the fertilizer recommendation. So for propagation, there is really one obviously good way of doing it that I have seen online and throughout the books that I have. And the nerve plant likes to be propagated from stem cuttings. So basically what that means is you're cutting the stem right below a leaf node. And the leaf node in this case is right where those leaves meet the stem. And I would give the stem at least a few inches and I would cut the stem at least a few inches long and take off all the leaves except for the very top leaves. Some people like to use a rooting powder to help stimulate root growth, but it's not necessary. Bonide makes a good rooting powder if you want to use that. I have the link in that blog post too. And you want to place these stem cuttings in a soil that's going to hold a little bit more moisture, which typically has a peat moss or a moss ingredient of some sort, or it might say peat in it. And you want to avoid, obviously, the well-draining soils like the cactus mix and whatnot. If you just have like a regular miracle Grow potting mix or a black gold potting mix or the moisture control potting mix, any of that stuff works for this. So you can do it just with those too. It doesn't really matter. It'll still grow no matter what. Well, okay, I'm not going to promise that, but it's still good soil to use. Once you get those planted in the soil, you want to mist them daily and then water when the soil becomes dry. I wouldn't leave time between the soil being a little bit moist and dry because that could cause your plant to be stressed out, especially this one, and the stem cutting won't work. So I would make sure that the soil is constantly a little bit moist and don't let it completely dry out. But if you're noticing the top layer is drying out, then I would water it again. You also want to keep it in a warm, humid environment. So obviously this plant likes humidity to begin with. So you want to make sure you keep up that humid environment, especially as a cutting to help it grow. You don't want to put it in direct sunlight as you don't want to put the normal plant in direct sunlight. You actually want to keep the actual cutting in a little bit less light than you would normally keep a mature plant. And within maybe two to three weeks, you could see healthy root growth. And you'll know that it has healthy root growth by either new stem growth, potentially new leaves popping out, or if you gently pull on the plant in the soil, it might have resistance. That means that the resistance would be the roots hanging on. <laughs> 
So that is the best way to propagate this guy. It is a little bit harder based on what I'm seeing people trying it online or even with my experience simply because you do have to keep that moisture up. And for me, I always have a hard time with plants that need more moisture because I like the plants that I can ignore and the plants that need more moisture usually I don't see until it's like one day too late and they're dead. So just be patient and keep that in mind. I would recommend also making multiple stem cuttings and trying multiple stems simply because one or two might die, but three or four might survive or vice versa. So that's something to think about too when you're doing the propagation. Okay, so I have a couple other facts. The nerve plant is part of the Acanthaceae family, which includes shrimp plants, zebra plants, mint, black-eyed Susan vine, oyster plant, and caricature plant, which is fun because I haven't actually done a podcast with a plant in that family yet. So that's interesting to learn. Also, this plant is native to Southern tropical America, tropical being the key word, hence why this plant loves the humidity. This guy only grows maybe to about six inches tall and about 12 inches wide. It's considered kind of a ground cover in those tropical areas. And there are some plants, some other varieties that stay even smaller. That's why they're perfect for terrariums and houseplants. The nerve plant does flower, but in both books that talk about this plant, they recommend pinching the flowers off so the plant can focus its energy on the foliage because that is what you're buying that plant for. Granted, if you're like me and you like to see the plant flower at least, I would let the flower grow. But if you don't really care about it, then definitely just cut it back. That way, all that energy is focused back onto those beautiful colored veins. Speaking of cutting back, this plant can benefit from regular pruning, cutting back, pinching, all the same thing, to encourage the plant's actual shape. So sometimes, like I said earlier, this plant can get a bit leggy when it grows, even if it's in enough light. Sometimes there's one or two stems that just go bonkers and go off the rails. So if you want to just cut that back, usually you want to cut it back right before a leaf node. Emphasis on right before a leaf node simply because you want to make sure when you cut it back, your plant still looks good and it doesn't really look like you chopped it back. That way, if you cut it right before that leaf node, then you have those brand new leaves sticking up right there. You can actually use that tip for pruning your shrubs and perennials outside too, just saying. But that is the only other facts I have for you right now. It's a pretty simple plant. As long as you give it enough moisture and humidity, you should be good to go. And again, just keep it in a spot where you constantly see it. That way you remember to water it. I also want to give a quick shout out to my sister, Lindsay, who I bought a nerve plant for, I don't know how many, it was during the summer I bought it for her. And she's kept this puppy alive. I'm so proud of her. But she provided all of the lovely images that you'll see on my blog. So thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for listening to episode 19 of Houseplant Homebody, all about the nerve plant. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means everything, and I can't wait to continue bringing you guys more and more plant bios and info. Don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Hello. Didn't lose me yet. Um, I just wanted to stop on and say thank you for all of your love and support and listening to the podcast and checking out the blogs and following me on social media. It all means a lot. 
And I wanted to bring up a couple things. One, I don't remember if I brought this up in the last one or if this was done in the last one, but the HH store is now open and it's on my website. If you go to the HH store tab on my website, I actually love doing photography and art. So I've just incorporated it over the years into a business on its own. And then I just combined it with Houseplant Homebody recently and renamed it to the HH store. It is on Etsy, but I have direct links to everything on my website for all the pictures that I have available. So go check those out. I plan on uploading some Houseplant Homebody stickers soon and getting some more product besides prints and art up on the Etsy site as well. So stay tuned for that. I also wanted to say thank you for the love and support because I was featured on Feedspot's Top 35 Houseplant Blogs and Feedspot's Top 15 Houseplant Podcasts. So thank you so much. It's all because of you guys that I am there. I'm currently number 21 on the blog site and I am number 10 on the podcast site. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Who knew that just back in May when I started this, I would be here and I really appreciate it. I don't see myself stopping anytime soon, just going on and on and on and you will not hear the end of all the plants. I still have hundreds of plants listed that I still want to talk about. So thank you so much and I love all of you and be safe out there. Bye.